Okay, welcome to um, SRS Dialogues, the official podcast for the Scoliosis Research Society. I'm Charlotte Fisher. I'm joined with my co-host, Jason Brooks. And we're very excited to bring you uh, this episode on the Spine Deformity Journal. Uh, we are joined today with Editor-in-Chief John Lonstein and Deputy Editor for Social Media, Robert Cho. So um, let's uh, get into, you know, sort of how the this journal was started and um, a little bit of background of uh, our goals for this journal. Uh, the journal was started about nine, well, nine, over nine years ago. President at that time was Larry Lenke, and there was a need seen in the board for a place to put articles on spine deformities because the articles that we were submitting, they were going to spine, but it was being lost in all the other articles on all the other degenerative and other problems with the spine. And we wanted a journal specifically for the Scoliosis Research Society that covers what we treat. That's a long thing. So along those lines, you know, there are people who listen to our podcast who are not in the medical field at all. So when you hear the word spine deformity, how is that different from degenerative spine? Or how is that different uh, from the basic science? Like why does spine deformity need their own uh, journal? Uh, it, how is spine deformity different than many of the other uh, journals that cover the other topics of spine? We are concentrating on spine deformities. Whatever the cause, be it congenital, neurofibromatosis, degenerative in adults, so anything that gives an abnormal curvature to the spine, we cover with Spine Deformity Journal. There are articles people submit on related topics, degenerative conditions of the spine, but not with deformity, and they are not published. Perfect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think a lot of people hear like, oh, I have a slip disc and, you know, the spine surgeon took care of it. Uh, the Spine Deformity Journal uh, is addressing a different part of spine, not necessarily people uh, that have those sorts of pathologies, I assume. Correct. People with just slip discs or s simple spinal stenosis, no. But if associated with it, there is a abnormal curvature of the spine or relationship of the spine, then we cover those. Tell me, what, who is your main audience? Who are these articles sort of, who is this journal steered towards? And what is your readership like? The journal is steered towards the members, the people who are interested in and treating spine deformities. So it's mainly all the members of the Scoliosis Research Societies, including fellows and trainees who are learning medical students who are learning about spine deformities. Great. And, and just as a reminder, this is a worldwide audience. So what do you do from a journal perspective to ensure that the reach is truly worldwide and not U.S. focused? Well, a significant percentage of the membership of the Scoliosis Research Society is international. I can't remember what the percentage is, but I think it's over 30%. And it reaches countries in, a in Asia, countries in Africa, in the whole of Europe, South America, Australia, 
New Zealand. So it is a worldwide coverage. We have got deputy editors that are also international and the manuscripts we get from all over the world. That's really great. So we're, you're, you're able to really incorporate that 35% international component through the deputy editors to improve representation amongst the um, articles that are published each month. Do you have any exciting news going on um, with some recent articles that you found really interesting and you're looking forward to see them published? We have highlighted the newer articles because of the new social media outreach. And those articles are going to be featured in the social media posts. And that's how we're hoping to be able to spread the interest in the journal and get the readership more involved in the uh, journal. So along those same lines, Dr. Lansing, I know a lot of people hear your title as the deputy editor, and they're like, man, I think I want to do that one day. I mean, that must be all this prestige and, you know, uh, you're kind of lifted up on the pedestal. But what's the real day-to-day for being an editor for a journal like Spine Deformity? How many hours a day do you spend working on this? And what's the sort of team that you have to have around you to, to start a, a journal like this and, and actually maintain it also? The team I have is I've got one person working with me in the office, but the main people that help me are the deputy editors and the reviewers. The amount of time I spend varies. In some days, it's one hour. Some days, it's three hours. Because every article that comes into the journal is checked to make sure it conforms to the guidelines. And then otherwise, it's sent back to the authors for them to revise it. And then obviously, when revisions come in, then I have to look at the revisions, see that all the questions that have been posed are answered, and then send it back to the same deputy editor and the same reviewers so that there is a continuity of the review process. Along those same lines, um, what is, do you have like, you know, your top three tips for, you know, surgeons submitting articles that you would recommend either follow the guidelines, that may be a very important recommendation, <laughs> or some, some other suggestions for those of us who would love to see our work published? Well, the first thing is follow the guidelines on how to write a manuscript, which is very available. The second thing is for submission to the journal is please read and follow the guidelines. The number of times I have to send a manuscript back because they are not following simple guidelines, I I couldn't be able to tell you. And I've sent it back to some authors. It's amazing, but seven or eight times because you want to shake them and say, please just follow what you are supposed to do. And and just uh, to add in, you know, reviewing some of these articles, uh, I think it's important. We were talking about the international folks uh, submitting articles, and for some international folks, English isn't their first language. I think it's really helpful um, if you are international. If you're submitting something to Spine Deformity Journal, you probably should have someone who's in need of English speaker kind of read through it and give some ideas before you submit it. Uh, I've seen a lot of articles that are otherwise reasonably, you know, reasonable articles, but just don't have gram- grammar or syntax. Need a lot of work. Uh, before they're sent in. 
Excellent. You know, along those same lines, there are a lot of people in the Scoliosis Research Society who want to get involved uh, with the Spine Deformity Journal. What does it take to be a reviewer for Spine Deformity? Well, they have to be a member of the Scoliosis Research Society. They have to have an interest in it. Most of the reviewers to date have been people who have been recommended by either deputy editors or other reviewers. And that's how we increase our review pool. If people are really, really interested, they can write to me and then I, with their CV, because obviously somebody, they must have an area where they have got expertise to be a reviewer. Tends to be people in their first few years of practice can do some reviewing, but then it is just general reviewing and then they get more down to the more complex articles when they have more knowledge. And John and Bob, what kind of time commitment would you expect, you know, someone who say they send you their CV and you say, sure, let's send uh, this person some articles. What kind of time commitment should they expect for this? I expect a reviewer to accept an invitation to review one manuscript. There are some reviewers who, when they get an invitation, just say, yes, 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 yes. That's not the best way. I just want them to review one manuscript at a time. When we assign reviewers, we know how many manuscripts they are handling. The only exception to that is if there is a revision, I'd like to do that in addition. So in other words, there are some times where they have reviewed the articles and then they get a new review to do, and one or two revisions, but that is rare. Yeah, and I I think if you're going to review an article, I think it's really important uh, if you're a reviewer to review it like you would want someone to review something that you submitted, right? So um, if I'm reading a paper uh, for review, it's always, um, I always make sure I read it a few times. I take notes each time and then kind of, uh, this is one area where I'll do it on paper. I'll print it out so that I can kind of write out my notes. Um, I just don't do it as well electronically. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I have to kind of write it out. Yeah. Right. Like it, when I'm editing stuff, it has to be paper and I I've tried it any other ways with the (laughs) iPad. It just doesn't work. Um, and so for me, I, I think it's a matter of, you know, um, are they trying to achieve the point that they're trying to achieve? You know, have they shown what they're trying to achieve? Is it written in a clear and concise fashion? You know, what things can be improved upon it? But that entire process for me, if I'm reviewing any paper, will take hour to two hours, probably. I, I really try to take some time on it. So maybe a transitionary question, and Charla, forgive me if you were going to go somewhere else on this. As we talked about reviewing, I'm thinking about people reading the Spine Deformity Journal. I remember walking into my professor's offices as a medical student, and they would have journals stacked sky high on their desk. Nowadays, right, we all have PDFs, or many of us have PDFs on our laptops, and we may not get the journal at all. Uh, For both Dr. Lansing and Dr. Cho, can you describe what's been the evolution of how people consume scientific literature and where you see it going in the future? Well, in the past, it was a, a, a print journal. We had a print journal when we were in Elsevier. I think that was our first seven years. Then we had a new contract with Springer Nature. And with Springer, it is now an 
online journal. You can get a print copy. You just have to pay extra. It costs about $60 a year. To me, looking at what's happening with what I read, I used to have piles and piles of manuscripts all sorted. Now, when I get manuscripts that I want to file, I file them electronically. I get the PDF. I put the PDF in a file, either to read soon or with other manuscripts of similar topics. So I have them all together. It's completely different now because the way you can search for manuscripts, the way PubMed lets you find them, the way you can get them and get related manuscripts. So that I think that we'll never get, we won't get back. There's some people who love paper and they just want something to hold in their hands. It's interesting because I, all the journals I read are electronic. Anything I do for reading for fun is paper. I want a book in my hands. <laughs> Can I say same to that as well? <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I read everything electronically now. I use my iPad or my laptop. Um, I think for trainees as well, you know, because, uh, you know, all, I think all of us on the call have or had trainees. Um, this is the easiest way to disseminate information. You know, I did a case with temporary internal distraction. And instead of, you know, making my resident go to JBJS 2006 and finding the actual paper or article, right? I, I sent him the PDF, which took like two seconds. And I, I think that's just kind of the way. But I, I do agree. Like, if I have to edit, I have to do it on paper. I just can't do it electronically. Um, and if I'm reading for fun, I, I actually totally agree. If I'm on the beach, I don't want to bring my iPad. I, I want to bring a book. Hey, Dr. Cho, do you also have like a rotary phone and things like that? <laughs> I'm just trying to like understand, uh, you know, just the generation here. Well, uh, the folks on the podcast probably can't see it, but on the video, you can see I have a tube tube amplifier right here. This is ancient technology, you know. Tubes are from the fifties, actually. Yeah, so, but hang uh, on a second. You're talking about two different things. You're talking about a phone, which is a smartphone, but you're talking about the audio quality of digital versus tubes, and it, you can't compare them. I understand agree with that, but no, I don't use a rotary phone. Thank you, Doctor Brooks. <laughs> all right. So to parlay on that, uh, where does social media fit in all this, Dr. Cho? Uh, it, it, we know that things are changing. We know that the newest generations uh, don't have a library filled with books. Uh, they have a bunch of e-readers uh, or iPads. Um, how does the Spine Deformity Journal, quote unquote, version 2.0, reach this younger generation of surgeons and maybe even patients also? Well, I, I will almost turn it back on you and Charla, because I think you guys are both a little younger than I am. When you learn, how, when you try to learn how to do a new technique or something you've never done before, what do you, what do you look for first? Is it a, is it a um, textbook or is it a journal article? What's the first thing you look for? I often um, just Google it and uh, see where that lands me. Um, sometimes you can get a nice scholarly article. And I'm not saying Google because my husband works for Google, but um, also you can see if there's uh, video techniques and things like that and right. nice infographics online. I like pictures, they're pretty. So yeah, I go to, I go to the web first thing. And, and I think that's what 
all of what I've noticed with residents and fellows, that's what they are all doing. Right. And that's what I do when I, if there's a technique I want to do. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I could read the original article or I could just look at the video or exactly like look at the video or look at uh, you know, something that is a little bit more bang for my buck. Like I, I had to fix something around my house recently. I, I just went on YouTube and it's like, Hey, how do I replace this thing under my sink? And, and within five minutes I was able to learn, okay, I need this kind of wrench. I need that. I need to do this, put the tape around the, the seals. And, and so basically to me, I think that the way people read and consume and learn that has really changed. You know, I remember in my own training, it wasn't videos in my own training. It was, you know, kind of reading from the original articles um, and then reading from technique guides from those original articles, you know, that temporary internal distraction paper I'm talking about, you know, I learned from the original paper from 2006 and then they had a subsequent one in 2007. Nowadays, if you don't have other ways for people to kind of see how to get there, you know, like Charla was saying, Dr. Fisher was saying, I think you're going to be at a little bit of a loss. So I think what we're trying to do is bridge the gap. No one is going to get rid of anything from Spine Deformity Journal. I think we all love the journal, you know, and I think the articles and the science behind it, that's not going to change. But the question is, how do you get people to even see those articles to see, you know, what are the best articles for the month or what are the most interesting articles from the month um, that uh, could get people to want to read the journal? And so for me, the social media part, um, for lack of a better word, is almost like the gateway, you know, to the uh, to the journal. Um, it gives you a little snippet about what those articles that we're featuring are about. And then if you're interested in that, oh, I, I want to read this article. This is a new technique or, oh, hey, how did they do this early recovery thing? What is, what is their protocol? And I, I think that's where we say, or perhaps it's something like, oh, this is, you know, I only do pediatrics. And, you know, this is something about adult deformity. I'm probably not going to read this one. It gives us a little bit of way of filtering and just gives us a way to say, um, these are kind of the highlight articles. And thankfully, we have Dr. Lonstein. He He's the one who really looks over these articles, says he's these are the ones that he thinks are probably of the most interest to our um, you know population. But, you know, I have some leeway if I see something else interesting, you know, we'll put that in there as well. Excellent. What social media platforms um, are you submitting these to? Am I going to see a TikTok video with uh, responding to a challenge? I think it's uh, Dr. Fisher and Dr. Brooks are going to be doing the uh, floss on a scoliosis uh, research society video. Um, that'll be straight on TikTok. Uh, no, we, we right as of right now, we do not have TikTok. Sean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we have TikTok. Uh, yeah, he says no TikTok. That's coming 2023, maybe? Maybe. No, it depends. I mean, as we get younger and younger and as we, you know, people learn, start learning things on TikTok, absolutely. Um, we actually have a pretty good presence on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I think those are the ones that I think most of us, you know, if we're using any social media, we're using those channels most frequently. Um, and LinkedIn, uh, Sean is telling me. Um, those are the ones I think most of us use the most frequently. Um, and that, that um, information whatever your channel is the information is going to go out to all those channels so you can see it that's perfect uh dr cho dr lansing dr fisher i envision that in the future when people submit journal articles to the spine deformity journal not only do they send the manuscript but they also send a 
social media version of their study, you know, like a three sentence liner with some cool figures that they know is going to be used for our social media platforms if we decide to. I mean, that might almost be a requirement so that we can basically future proof our journal um, because one day we're going to get there. Uh, where unfortunately people may read the article less and may rely more on the snippets. And so uh, maybe even training people to get used to how do you summarize your amazing peer-reviewed article down into uh, three or four sentences. This is such an exciting time for uh, the Spine Deformity Journal and a very exciting time for the Scoliosis Research Society. And I really thank you for your work on this endeavor. Well, thank you guys. I, I think it's Dr. Lonsney. He's doing all the hard work. He's picking out the best articles. Um, I, you, you know, Jay, Jason, you, you're, you're saying um, that, you know, people do this in the future. I hope they do. So you and I don't have to do this for <laughs> forever. Um, but uh, for right now, I actually think it's great. It makes me read the articles uh, that, um, you know, every month and uh, hopefully it gets other people to be interested as well. No, I think it's uh, awesome to see, um, you know, the future of Spine Deformity Journal. Uh, I think it's going to be great to see how we grow. This social media to me is just the first of many new things that I think, um, you know, as we grow and um, as we become the uh, kind of de facto area for all of us to learn uh, from each other. Um, so I'm just excited to be a part of it. Thank you, Dr. Lancey. I'm, I'm excited that you are a part of it. Thank you to you and Jason. All right, great. Well, that was such a, 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 thank you so much for spending some time with us, Dr. Lonsi and Dr. Cho. Um, and we thank you, our audience, for listening. And please follow us on our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I was trying hard not to say TikTok. And uh, on behalf of myself and Jason Brooks, we thank you for joining us and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.